And I presume you're another traveller, got it in your head to sample the dark continent, and while you're at it, hunt down old Alan Quatermain and have him tell his adventures. Well... Well, you fill a seat, sir. You can fill my glass. Bruce, double. And I'll regale you with how I found King Solomon's mines, or I could relate my... It is not your past that interests me. Uh, um... My name is Sanderson Reed. I am a representative of Her Majesty's British government. The Empire needs you. But the question is, do I need the Empire? Perhaps I should toddle off, should I, Alice? Yes, of course, Nigel, you toddle off. Toddling. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. This is Cheap Seat Reviews. Hello, and thank you for listening to Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. Oh, that's right. That silence means that Sam is not here. Uh, that's that's right. Sam is not here, so uh, we have a very special treat for you instead. This is episode three hundred and twenty, three hundred and twenty, and tonight we are doing Leave of, of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's hard for me to say for some reason, um, and the reason why we're doing that instead of The Natural is because this past weekend, uh, Sean Connery, uh, Sir Sean Connery, uh, passed away at the age of ninety. 1991? I can't remember. I should know this. And uh, it's super sad, and he was amazing, and so we decided to do a movie. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, you chose this movie to do to honor him? And the answer is, well, yes, because that's what we do. We do, sometimes we do bad movies, even to honor great people. And so we are doing League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So I am Sean Allred, and joining me tonight is Andrew. I'm waiting to be impressed, Jemison. That's the story of my life. Pretty much everybody's waiting for me to do something, and it just never happens. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's, that's fine. <laughs> and making his Cheap Seat Review debut, the world premiere of Will, the most famous actor who was willing to come on my podcast, Triplet. <laughs> that says a lot about you. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> uh, so welcome to the show, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Um, Will and I have known each other uh, by the calendar for 15 years. Um, we worked together on the first um, TV show I worked on called Palmetto Point. Will was an actor. And quite frankly, of the group that we had there was the nice one. Just going to be honest. He was the nice one. Brent was pretty cool, too. Brent was pretty cool to me, too. So, so Will and Brent, but mainly... Will We're all more jaded now fine well it's fine and i was bad at my job so there's a reason why they didn't like me anyway so there's also that um and uh but that's fine that's all 
ancient history, and since then, Will has gone on to do really other a lot of cool things, and and legit is a uh, uh, or or once was a paid actor uh, on TV. You probably saw him on such things as Law and Order SVU, and I can't remember what else you've done. I didn't look up your IMDb page. I'm sorry, I'm a bad host. That's okay. I've, I, it it parlayed itself in more writing anyway. So, um, yeah, the acting days were fun, but the other stuff were fun. So. Well, cool. Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to kind of um, to to kind of tell people how they can get into what you are doing um, uh, towards the end of the show. Uh, but like cool. I said, we're doing League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I'm going to have to just start calling this the League or something because I'm going to get myself so tongue tied. Uh, this movie came out in something 2000. No, right? 2003. 2003. Yeah, and this is the movie that. Uh, basically, Sean Connery said, I'm done with acting. <laughs> and whether or not that's because the movie is that bad, or he had a bad experience, or he was just ready to hang it up, and this movie was just an excuse, I don't really know. I don't think anyone else really knows the answer. Um, no, I, I think I do, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I think working with all the women and then finding out that there was no crying in baseball, I think that finally set him up to just hang up his hat. Okay. So, a league of their own is, I mean, it was, it was great to watch, but uh, I, I mean, he wasn't, he didn't have a lot of screen time. Yeah, no, it was really strange, especially when he peed in the sink in the bathroom or whatever he did. It was really weird. Thank you. Thank you. That was, uh, that he was Andrew's channel. I thought he was Rosie's character the entire time. He wasn't. <laughs> I mean, they're pretty much the same. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I just think Rosie has more facial hair. Oh, okay. There we are. There it is. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> this, this is the quality of show that we're doing. Um, so yeah, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. This movie was not liked by a lot of people, and uh, we're gonna find out if either one of us, the three of us, did or which which category are we in? Are we in the we liked it or that we uh, objectively hated it? I think when um, I finally talked Will into coming on the show, and by I talked to, he said, hey, can I come on your show? Um, I said, hey, we're going to do League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Or I said, hey, we're going to do a movie uh, for an honor of Sean Connery. And he's like, hey, that's a great idea, as long as it's not League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> and my text response was, um, dot, dot, dot. So, uh, Well, you know what's funny is, and I was kind of explaining to you, um, it's the only movie I've ever walked out on in the theater. Um, I was in high school, um, went with a bunch of friends and we all like 15 minutes in, we were like, what are we watching? And just left. <laughs> we were like, let's go do other things. Wow. Um, so I watched it last night, um, for the first time, like I've long considered it my least favorite movie of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, like 17 years worth of hatred. And I had a great time. I don't know if I've just evolved and become more of a, you know, nerdy blow them up kind of guy or, you know, whatever. But um, I thought it was really clever. And, you know, the H.G. Wells stuff that I didn't, I probably wasn't smart enough to recognize while when I watched it the first time. Um, no, I thought it was, I thought it was great. I mean, um, 
some of the action sequences are some of the best I've ever seen. Um, so I did enjoy it. Um, it can get hokey at times. Um, you have your, your kind of one-liners and your one-line fixes and your over-the-top performances and your attempts at overly effective bait and switches that sometimes work well, sometimes don't. Um, but for the most time, I had a, I had a really good time with it. Okay. Well, since you're uh, on a roll and I'll let you just go ahead. Did you have a five word review for this movie? I did. <laughs> so the first, wait, is it a five word sentence? Because I just did five words. That's fine. Whatever. However, five different, five different thoughts. It's fine. Oh, okay. I okay. see what you're saying. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, but I can come up with a five word review really quickly well uh, i'll tell you what we'll let andrew go um because we did because okay. i threw this uh, at you court, sort of last minute and you having not known what we do here andrew i'll let you go ahead and take a take a whack and give us what you got okay well i actually uh only have a four word review God, you guys keep changing the so world. i'll save one for next week and i'll add it <laughs> uh <laughs> good actors bad movie Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So not All right, mine is more fun than would have thought. Okay, yeah, that's good. That works. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, so Yeah, I'm I'm still I'm going to I'm going to hold off my 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 judgment just yet. Andrew, what 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 you got? I mean, when's the last time you saw it? Like what what do you think, man? So the first time I saw this, uh, I mean, I guess it was when it first came out because I thought, all right, we've got Sean Connery. We've got all these legendary characters. This is going to like just kick ass. And then when I was in the theater watching it, I remember thinking, I have just wasted my time and my money to see this film. And it's probably... Sean Connery's last movie. I remember thinking that, like, he's not going to be around much longer. Is this the one that I want to go out on? And so uh, I, I'm kind of the, in the boat with you, Will. I, I didn't like it then. However, I still don't like it now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's got, I agree. It does have some moments that are, I guess, fun and enjoyable. But as far as the movie itself, I'm just kind of taken taken back. I, you know, I don't I don't buy into everything, which maybe I'm not supposed to buy into everything. But the uh, like you also, I didn't realize the literary references. Uh, I sort of recognized them back in 2003 or whenever I watched this. But uh, but now knowing a little bit more, uh, looking into it, I appreciate it but I don't necessarily like it. So I'll leave it at that. That's fair. I think that's pretty, pretty fair to say. Um, uh, Do you so, get the implication that it's maybe one of these screenplays that had this ginormous budget, so it was going to do amazing action sequences and blah, 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 but they decided to do... It's almost like there's too many cooks in the kitchen on the screenwriting standpoint. Like it tends to lose focus a lot. 
Yeah, well, so there's a section of the episode where I, I get into trivia, and I sent Andrew a text and said, oh my God, the trivia. So there's about, I can't remember, I'll look it up, but there's a significant amount of trivia. There's 86 items in the trivia section, which, I mean, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. And I would say more than half, I would say 40 of them, have to do with the fact that Sean Connery and the director hated each other. <laughs> they just, they didn't get along. They were constantly arguing. And I think that this movie kind of reminds me of Waterworld in that way. In the mm-hmm. fact that your, wow. lead, that your lead actor in Kevin Costner, I mean, in that movie specifically, that's a little different because Kevin Costner literally like fired three different directors and ended up fi- finishing the movie himself and went way over budget. And there's a lot of other horror stories about that movie that are more par- apparent and more public than this one. But yeah, there's a lot of... Yeah, well, you're, you're, that's a good way to put it, that it, it doesn't feel like there's a, a focus on the movie. It's just a, it's a scatter shot of a lot of, I mean, honestly, if you think about it, this is one of the first kind of attempts at a full team up kind of movie. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. and I hated to say this, but there's a lot of parallels between this movie and Avengers, Avenger, the there first are. Avengers with there Loki. Are. I mean, Loki, basically his goal is to, he forces the team together and then forces them to kind of hurt each other. And turn on each other so that he could win the day, and that's kind of what this movie is, mm-hmm. right? Which makes me a little sad that that Joss Whedon borrowed that. I mean, I guess that's not a new idea. I'm sure that, I, that that's been written long before 2003, but um, well, I'm sure Joss Whedon was doing that on Buffy well before League ever thought about being anything. You're right. Well, I don't. And I don't know if the comic book ever did that kind of thing. I mean, this is an Alan Moore comic. And mm-hmm. he's on the record saying he hates this movie. But he is also on the record for hating The Watchmen and uh, what was his other comic book movie that that he hated? He had another comic book property. I can't remember. Probably Fantastic Four. No, no. But he's not, not in Moore. the minority. Uh, I can't remember what it was. It was, it was he hated The Watchmen. Oh, gosh dang it. I can't remember what it was. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so he's an old crotchety guy, and he's gonna hate everything that is on screen. Uh, so my five-word review uh, was so you know the phrase the sum is greater than the parts. Mm-hmm. So I that was almost that was almost my my uh, your four words. <laughs> so my so my I'm flipping that in the part or parts are better than the sum or I guess than sum. I can't add the second the. Parts are better than some. In that, I think to you, both of your points, there's a lot of fun things in this movie to be had. There's a lot of neat little things, like the literary aspects and the, uh, the, the action scenes. I mean, Nemo doing Kung Fu was kind of fun watching yeah. that, you know? Before I had, when I'd just written five words, I didn't understand that it was a five-word theme. I just thought you wanted five words. One of my words was Nemo, because Nemo is by far the most fun thing in this entire movie. Yeah. For me. Yeah, he was was great. I liked him. And, okay, so here's the stuff that I really liked. I'm going to be really honest with you. I love steampunk. 
I love the steampunk genre. I am totally cool with pretending that this is an alternate reality in which in 1899 we have automobiles and World War One level tanks and a, a submarine the size of a city. I'm okay with all of that stuff. And I, the more of that, the better. You know, yeah. I'm cool with that. The only way you could make it a little bit better is have like their weaponry also influenced by that kind of steampunk kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I, I, I love, I really liked all of that stuff. And, you know, and Sean Connery is really cool. And I, I like the idea of Moriarty as the bad guy. I think that's mm-hmm. neat. And, and the fact that they make references, he says, oh, Moriarty died at the Reichenbachen Falls. Like, you have to have read Sherlock Holmes to know that reference, which, you know, and I have. And I thought that was, that was great. There's a lot of these little kind of Easter eggs and stuff, but, but then there's the but, right? Like, there's just, there's just a lot of bad dialogue. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. Will, I, help me I, out there, right? You're the writer of this team, right? I mean, there's a lot of just really garbage things that we make these really good actors say. Am I, I'm not wrong in that, am I? I mean, I think it's really interesting because there are a lot of times, um, specifically in genres that I write, where I feel totally comfortable writing a line and I say to myself or on set, I'll say to my actors, understand this is a movie line. So long as you commit, it's going to work out. It's going to play the way it needs to play for this particular moment. Mm -hmm. And at that point, we have to have trust in our audience to be able to suspend disbelief. But if you don't go for it, that it's going to fall short and come across as corny. Well, you look at this cast and there were, there's a lot of really good talent, right? I mean, obviously you've got Sean Connery. You've got, um, uh, what's her name? Um, P- uh, Peter Wilson. Of Fem Nikita. P- P- yeah. Yeah. Peter. Um, and Shane West. And they're go- like, Tom Sawyer's character has some of the most ridiculous lines in this movie. Yeah. He at least went for them. Yeah. Um, I don't remember being annoyed by a whole lot of that kind of, you know, Sunday night at the at the movie theater in June with popcorn and a giant Coke on a first date, that type of stuff, because you're going to get that from Marvel. You're going to get that from DC. You're going to get that from Independence Day. You're going to get those movie lines from all those types of properties. I mean, that's what a summer blockbuster is. Mm-hmm. The question is, some of those lines withstand the test of time and become cultural icons. Yeah. And I'm not sure that this particular film has one of those. The only thing that I could think of would be the um, take your time. That's the only thing I could think would be the cultural icon movie if it had one or movie line if it had one um just because of the retribution of tom sawyer at the end on m and and his you know his coming into his own or whatever that kind of poetic justice story but other than that i can't really think of any of the lines that stand out and i watched it last night in totality for the first time so yeah i guess some of the 
some of the stuff that annoyed me, and I, I capture clips, and I have some of the stuff that, that kind of annoyed me. And honestly, most of the stuff that annoyed me was by Dorian Gray's character. And I know he's playing an over-the-top kind of bad guy, which we don't know he's a bad guy until the end, whatever. But so I know he's doing, he's a cartoon <laughs> character. I get that. But it feels like everyone else is a real thing, and here comes this cartoon character villain. And says things that just, uh, they just annoyed me. His care, everything about him annoyed me. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I just, his, his character specifically annoyed the hell out of me. And it's, it's interesting that you say you didn't, or that we didn't know he was the bad guy till the end, but I could tell as soon as we see our first pile of sand, suspiciously that Nemo bends over and is like, what is this? Why is this here? And from then, I'm like, okay, well, something's up with Dorian Gray. Yeah, which is weird because I thought that when I first saw this, so when I was watching it again the other day, I thought, oh, he, there was, because they were looking for their bridge people, right? Weren't they looking for the crew on the bridge? Mm -hmm. And they saw the sand. So I thought the same thing that they, his, the crew put up a fight and he, he got wounded and that was, dirt or sand that had fallen out of his body but then you find out that it's from a, a, a camera uh -huh. I also camera, just a little writing note about Dorian that bothers me is at the end of the the big first action sequence when he just takes the module off of Nautilus and he's an expert yeah. <laughs> he's clearly never been on it before yeah. but he knows how to eject himself from from the submarine and I, I mean, I just, you know, I mean, and that's a part of the suspending disbelief, but I also, I, I also feel like Mina would kind of see right, right through it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, her and, and her and uh, Dr. Jekyll, his character, we haven't mentioned J Jason Fleming yet as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I mean, you know, he's, you know, he's kind of like what the Hulk is based off of and, mm -hmm. He, he's an interesting character. He's an interesting, I think he's a good actor and I think he plays that part well. And we didn't have the technology in 2003 to, to kind of CGI him to what the Hulk looks like now. So I can't, you can't, it's, that's apples to uh, tires. Like that's not even right. in the same world. Well, uh, the Maltese Falcon in 77 didn't look like not of the slipped in 2003. I mean, you're, yeah, it's an evolution of CGI, but yeah, I mean, I do think that, um, I do think for that time they did an okay job with it. Yeah. Um, the, the, the only time, honestly seeing when you, when we first see him, the only moment that brought me out of the movie is when Sawyer is holding the giant top hat. And I thought, where the hell did he get that? Yeah. Why would he have someone tailor a top hat built for <laughs> that head? I thought the same thing. I saw that and I was like, this, that's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Why would you do if that? If it had been a tiny top hat, like those, uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. If you, yeah. Uh, yeah. That would have been a better dichotomy because he's like, why was this giant beast? Why did he have a smaller top hat? Yeah. That's actually really smart. Yeah. It, it, 
and it would make for a, I think a better joke because they're going for the laugh when Shane West or I think it's Shane maybe I don't remember who it is but he's holding this giant hat I think the gag would have worked better if it would have been this little bitty like a little top hat on a monkey kind of a thing yeah because uh, he was also carrying a cane or like yeah. a riding crop um, it, it 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 just seemed strange I don't know it's like the idea was that he was in formal outfit. And then he took the formula to turn into the big guy, but his clothes, his hat grew with him or something. I don't know. It's just dumb. But well, it's kind of like how people always wonder, how do the Hulk's pants expand with him and then retract with him? Yeah. But we found out in the newest version of the Hulk that sometimes you just fall to earth naked. Yeah, that's true. That's what happens. Uh, I do also think it's interesting that at the beginning, the first time they they and forgive me if I don't remember the name, but the first time they see the car, mm-hmm. yeah, they're all like, what is this thing? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Tom Sawyer's doing donuts, doing donuts in the middle of the biggest war in the history of time. Yeah. And he's on a fast and the furious fight in between alleyways in a country he's never been in yeah. while shooting people at the same time. <laughs> totally absurd. I mean, they they make the joke but, where he says he he tells to Quarterman, he says, "Grab the wheel," and he's like, "I don't know how to drive this bloody thing." He's like, "Well, neither does he, but he's doing a good job because he's American." Because, <laughs> yeah, because he's American. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just America, damn it. I mean, we he, I mean, I thought the same thing too. Honestly, the first thing I thought when I saw that car was, "Damn, that's a cool looking car." I don't. It get, is a cool looking car. I don't get the four wheels in the front, but it's still cool looking. Um. And honestly, it surprised the hell out of me when four doors opened on that thing and they all got out. I thought that cab doesn't look big enough to hold four people. But you know, I, I agree with you, Sean, about being okay with the steampunk aspects mm-hmm. of it. You know, having the car during this time, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I am too. Having the submarine, you know, even having it navigate the channels of Venice, which <laughs> you know, is a little bit out there it's a good thing that there was but, a straight shot and it was you know <laughs> many many feet deep yeah uh, but even it's just really really lucky that the channels of venice are high enough yeah. exactly yeah for it to fit right underneath yeah <laughs> but you know i'm like i said i'm okay with the idea of all these things but i think you have to use them as tools in in the writing process and in, in the acting process that fit and that work I don't know the comic book. I don't know if these things were a part of the comic, but were they used completely in favor, you know, so so that they're favorable to what the movie is trying to do? I don't know. I, well, I don't think so personally. I do think that that is part of the comic because one of the pieces of trivia, and I don't remember if, I, if I've captured it or not, but one of the pieces of trivia does mention the fact that uh, oh God, I just got scared. We're using Zoom for the first time for the podcast, and I just got an alert saying running out of time. But um, apparently, we don't have that forty-minute time frame. I got scared for a second. Um, but it does mention that, um, like they're in this kind of you know future alternate universe where I mean, he mentions like the solar panels. I mean, they have solar panel technology in eighteen ninety-nine. You know, I mean. Uh, that's, I, I don't even think that that word had been in, even thought of. So, I mean, I think that's part of the comic book, Andrew. And, and uh, 
Yeah, I like that. I like steampunk. I, I'm always for that kind of thing. Anytime you can put that in your movie. I mean, honestly, Wild Wild West is terrible. But I like the weird steampunk of the bad guy, of Kenneth Branagh. I just There's something about a coal-powered wheelchair that's just kind of neat. I don't know what it is. but Yes, Miss Lip and Rita. <laughs> oh, I mean, that movie's terrible, but I, I like it. It's weird. It's I have a lot of weird hate relationships, like like hate relationships with movies. Like, I like Waterworld. It's not a good movie, but I still like it. So, <laughs> anyway, it's fine. It's a, it's a problem. It's okay, I know. Um, I'm a big Costner fan right now, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, old Costner is really great. You know, like, open range... Um, uh, he does Western really well. He does, yeah. I have not watched Yellowstone. Yellowstone is that, incredible. I heard it. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. Yeah. yeah. Hatfields and McCoys. Yes, Hatfields awesome. and McCoys was so good. Yeah. Was so good. Uh, my small, tiny, little, insignificant connection to Waterworld is when uh, I have an, um, an, an aunt that lives in Hawaii. And Did you we, have to boom the horse? I didn't know I wasn't filming then. I was in I was 94 when I was out there. So I was like 12. Well, we went out there for Christmas and they had just finished shooting Waterworld. And so the city, the atoll, that big city, it was in harbor. So we got to drive and physically lay eyes on on the atoll and they sold it to a, a Japanese or or some company that towed it out to where they were and sunk it to be part of their reef. Huh. Oh wow! So that was, I thought that was kind of cool. It's like, hey, that's the the water world thingy. So this movie falls into a category that I have of of films that I say had potential. Like, yeah. I feel like this movie could have been far better than it was. You know, I mean, it has all the right building blocks. Yeah. But what's the element that's missing? Or is it a collection of poorly uh, executed things? I think, like, I think there are a lot of scenes. Sorry to interrupt, but to your point, I think there are a lot of scenes that they try and beat you over the head with the humanity of these characters, but we don't actually get to experience the humanity of these characters. Yeah. I agree. And there was a movie that we did not too long ago. I can't remember what it was, but it, we talked about the characters and we just didn't care about them. You know? Yeah. And I, I've kind of feel that way in this one. I don't really care about any of them. I don't become emotionally attached other than Sean Connery. And that's just because from outside experiences, not from this film. Because he's Sean Connery. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And then I guess, I mean, even as ridiculous as Shane West's Tom Sawyer was, um, the moment at the end when he turns around and he sees Sean Connery die after pulling off the one thing Connery taught him, that's a moment that I felt something. And then, you know, we don't need to go into what happens after that, which is a so absurd in its own right as an ending well it's it's because they had aspirations of making when they when they when the actors signed on for this movie they signed a three picture deal they were going to make a trilogy huh. and right. and the sequel got canceled cuz connery wouldn't do it yep 
and you can't make it without them. Yeah, well, and also it didn't make a lot of money. Well, okay, so this was it a did s- not make a lot of money, and it spent what? It spent like one hundred and eighty million dollars or something crazy. Well, according to IMDb, the the budget was seventy eight million. Okay, so eighty million dollars. So eighty million dollars still for two thousand three. That's a massive. That's a amount lot of money. money. Spent on a movie. Yeah, you're right. That's a lot of money in 03. and it, in the U.S. it made sixty six million. But but worldwide gross, it made a hundred and eighty million. Okay, that's where the hundred and eighty million. Yeah, came but from. that's so a, that's a, it grossed a hundred mil, but that's not going to get studios warm and fuzzy to do it all over again. I I don't know. I we've seen sequels done done for less money than that. You know, like I I think if the if the movie isn't financially successful but has a, a following on you know rental and things like that, this is back in the aughts when we didn't have Netflix yet. You know, and but there's something there. Like the actors are like, man, there's something here. We just there's something that we just we just missed. I mean, the Fast and the Furious one didn't make a lot of money, and they still made two and three. It wasn't until yeah. four where they started banking on these movies. Right. And and there's a lot of other properties that we can we can aim to and say, yeah, they made a hundred million dollars worldwide. Like that's pretty good. I mean, we've they made. You know, I, I can't think of any right now, but there's lots of examples where you look and go, wow, they made a sequel to that. Um, but I think you're right. I think it has more to do with the fact that Sean was just Mr. Dr. Mr. Connery, Dr. Connery. I don't know where that came from. Uh, Sir Sean Connery. He just said, I'm done. And the director said, I'm done too. This this was the last movie this, this director did. And the only other movie that he's done that I care about he did blade he did the first blade which i like i like the first blade movie i think it's a lot of fun so but after this he was he was done he he did some special effects for you know the the alien movies and then he took a break for about 15 years and then he did some special effects on the exorcist the beginning and he's kind of out of it again. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, to your point, Andrew, is is the missing component, is it, a, is it a director? Is it a competent director? You know, does, I mean, who in, who in 03, 02 would we have wanted to do this movie? A team-up movie besides Joss Whedon. I think that's cheating. Would we have wanted, and I say Ch- Joss Whedon because, you know, he's a few years away from doing uh, Serenity. No one, no one's two years away from doing Batman Begins. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. That name had to be tossed around. I mean, like Danny Elfman. Would we want Danny Elfman? Not Danny Elfman. He's a, a film composer. Do we want Tim Burton to do this? Like, would would Tim Burton with the steampunk? Would that be a cool thing? I think he would do that genre pretty well, actually. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it'd be bad if Tim Burton made the first League, but and this, you know, and even if it's his mo. In many cases, mm-hmm. but even if Sean left, I mean, there. How many seasons of TV do you watch that they end the entire season on a cliffhanger, like them doing the the African dance, tribal dance, to make his gun shake and the dirt move, mm-hmm. only to reopen season two, as it were, and him still be dead. And then all of a sudden you introduce 
a new character, a, a, a Colin Farrell or a, you know, somebody like that. And all, all of a sudden it becomes his franchise. Yeah. Like they trade in these types of franchises, they trade lead actors all the time. There's gotta be a reason why it didn't continue. If not for that, people just said it's not that good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it might have been people just didn't. I think people might not have just cared about it. I think, I mean, all of us, I didn't see the theater, but the two of you, I mean, you both mentioned that. I mean, this movie is is geared for our, our age group, you know, the action kind of comic sure. book thing. And. I think it missed the boat because we didn't partly didn't we didn't know these characters or didn't understand them. I mean the Nina character, Nina, is that her name? Whatever. Like in the comic Mia? book Mia, yeah. She's not a vampire in the comic book. She's she's a brilliant scientist. She's like the Tony Stark of this group. She's a, a scientist and a chemist and and yes, she worked with uh, Van Helsing and was bitten by Dracula, but she's not a vampire. Um, again, that's what I read from the in the trivia. I didn't know that from from the story or whatever. But like they changed it, and I think that's also part of the reason that people were mad is because they changed the source material so much. And well, and our brains were probably in a different place in two thousand and three too. Like Mystic River came out in two thousand and three. Big Fish came out in two thousand three. Out of Time came out in two thousand and three. Big Fish. That's Old amazing. School came out in 2003. Like these are movies when I was that age that I wanted to pay attention to. One, I was learning from watching Eastwood's film Mystic River what it meant to tell a story. Um, you know, from watching Old School, I was learning a silly movie to take a girl out on a date with. Um, you know, Big Fish storytelling cinematography great performances it, it was hard because i like in 98 i probably would have loved this movie but it turned a corner because i started thinking about this 2002 is my senior year of high school i was majoring in broadcast journalism and um and theater and i was thinking about this as a career path so we were on that kind of you know maybe slightly self-indulgent, arrogant, I'm going to be watching these types of movies instead of these types of movies. Um, but then over time, over the last, you know, 15 years, these types of movies got really good. And there may be something to say about League informing that, that these movies can make money, but it's just never going to hold up to what they've done since then. I mean, the MCU is never going to be touched, period. But it's just. Yeah. Well, hey. so you mentioned you were rattling off some movies from 03. I went down this hole where I'm looking at movies from 03, where there was a couple other movies like, oh, I don't know, The Return of the King. Uh, yeah, and, I might have heard of that one. Yeah. And uh, Kill Bill Volume 1. Hmm. And, Interesting. Yeah. X-Men 2 came out that year. Finding Did Nemo. Brian Singer do that one? As well? Yeah. Okay. I think he did without... Yeah, Brian Singer, yes. Yeah. Uh, Monster was that year. Um, Charlize Theron? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but then you have the unfortunate movies of Daredevil and Hulk. So other 
comic book type ideology movies that just is that the Mark Ruffalo Hulk? No, no Mark, not Mark Ruffalo's Hulk. Now, who was who was that? So that 2000? one, that was the first one. That was Eric Bano. Eric Bano, and then the Daredevil was Ben Affleck. Yeah. And and both of those movies are objectively terrible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I like Ang Lee, but that's not a good movie. And, and I love Ang Lee. Yeah, and there's a reason why only six years later, uh, well, eight years later, when when the MCU started, before we knew what the MCU was after Iron Man, when they did the second, when they did Hulk, we're like, we just had a Hulk movie, and then we realized, oh, this was part of this, and that's when things started getting good. Uh, oh, The Room came out in 2003. Let us not forget The Room. The the not the not room with not room the room the oh, room based oh, hi, on Mark. <laughs> oh the room the room yeah oh hi mark yeah oh hi mark <laughs> i did not do it i, I did, did not hit her i did not i did not <laughs> <laughs> you're tearing me apart lisa oh my gosh so here's the other movie I didn't mention. Because... It probably gets a better review than League of Extraordinary Gentlemen on this podcast. Uh, to be fair, it would. <laughs> well, we haven't watched The Room, but we did watch the um, the Disaster Artist for the show. Yeah. yeah, Franco. Yeah, and that was really good. That was a really good movie, and cringeworthy or cringeworthy also. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up on this section because uh, we need to move on. But the other thing that hurt League financially i think is because it opened the same weekend as pirates of the caribbean the curse of the black pearl Ooh, i mean yeah. that's that's disney yeah. now that's that's disney starting this new pg-13 trend with these kind of action movies i know disney had done it before but most of their pg-13 stuff was under touchstone and miramax so you know i mean that i saw i saw pirates of the caribbean in the theater twice because i loved it so much I did too. And it's funny that you mentioned that because when I was watching this last night, I was thinking to myself, this is so close to being in the same conversation as the first Pirates of the Caribbean, yet it's so far away. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like know. the intention isn't being in the same conversation, but the execution is a different stratosphere. Yeah. Yep. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah, because Gore Verbinski is, I mean, at the time, I didn't know who the hell he was, and now you look mm-hmm. at him and go, oh, okay, he's he's actually a really good director, even though no one really likes The Lone Ranger, but he's done some really good stuff, so, um, anyway, so I'm going to just cook through a couple of my notes that I thought were just kind of a little funny moment in the movie, uh, for example, example, uh, example is not a word, um, you can see when Skinner drinks, the drink go down his esophagus, but what part does it become part of him and then therefore become invisible? That's, I was wondering that. Um, I, don't know. I thought that was silly, and I honestly, as soon as he started to take a drink of scotch, I knew it was going to happen. They were going to do that, and I... Yeah, I mean, it. you should never see it. I also no, felt bad... In his mouth, it's gone. I feel bad for the guy that he's naked all the time. Like, you have to think about the fact that he's naked all the time. Yeah. I mean, like, he's just, I, I, like, when he sneaks into Sean Connery's room and Sean Connery's doing that, you know, grab, like, his, his, 
he could be touching his junk on Sean Connery's you know sleeve. Like that's all I can think about is like he's naked. Uh, you know, I, I was very conflicted, but I thought, would my ten year old be able to watch this? And so I let him watch the first few minutes, mm-hmm. and then we got to the scene where we meet his character for the first time, and he starts taking his clothes. And my son goes, "Is he taking his clothes off?" And I said, "Well, that's how he is invisible." And he said, "Yeah, okay." And he went back to playing his video game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other question: When she bites people, does she turn them, or does she just kill them? I wondered that too, yeah. because when she does the bat thing and she's flying up, but she's still biting people. And yeah. I'm sitting there going, and I don't know, maybe if I I watched too much True Blood when I was younger, but the vampire can always turn someone, bring someone back, and they can do it not without necessarily being turning them into a vampire. They can just heal their wounds like why didn't she just fly up there on the backs of the thousand bats and heal Sean Connery? Well, because it wouldn't make for a dramatic ending. Right. Uh, or a I really mean, cheesy one, one way or the other. Uh, I wrote the poor bowl of fruit and deck chairs. So like they're on the, the top deck <laughs> and there's like this bowl of fruit and stuff. And he's like, okay, we're going down. Like no one goes to get that stuff. So like they just, this every time they dive, does some poor deck hand have to go up there and put a new bowl of fruit and chairs up there that get washed away? Um, yes. I guess when you're they a pirate... Have a storehouse can... of bowls of fruit and chairs. Uh, I did write, if she can do that bat thing, then why didn't she do it earlier in the fight? I thought that was a superpower that was conveniently wasted until... Ignored. Yeah, ignored. <laughs> okay. I had to write this. So this is my note, literally. Now, I'm no sound guy. Oh, wait, I am. Unless the boat is 100% quiet, there is no way that that the microphone on those bombs would have heard any kind of high-frequency thingy. That's just... Or, when they're standing on the deck and there's just no wind at all, but they're 85 feet above the water in the middle of the ocean and there's not one bit of foley in regards to wind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just perfectly quiet for these wonderful, wonderfully terribly. So a lot now. of times I have to watch the movie through my headphones cause I capture clips and I, uh, there have been a lot of times where we'll get some bad foley work and believe me, I know some bad foley work and I did in our show weekly. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, this this podcast is bad, fully, but um, uh, there's there's been some times. I, I, I my most recent one we did was the American Assassin movie, where uh, Michael Keaton is walking down the stairs and he 100% sounds like he's recording in a bathroom. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like you can tell he's in a studio. I mean, he sounds like he's in a in a bathroom. It's really bad, bad stuff. Um, not well. Anyway. Again, I make the joke about bad bad um, ADR. I'll I'll never forget when Will and I we were doing the pilot for Palmetto Point, and we were out shooting by a pier, and they were literally building a restaurant next to us. And uh, Shauna Waldron was there, and she was um, she played Icebox in the Little Giants movie, and she has this line of dialogue, and every time she would deliver that line, there would be like some kind of 
jackhammer or some kind of loud noise every time. We could never get her line clean. So um, Eric and and my, Eric was my um, mentor slash um, audio buddy. We literally went into a hotel bedroom and took the beds apart. It was John Kern's bed. We took his bed apart. Oh no! <laughs> and and Sorry. we built we built like a fort out of the mattresses and the blankets, and then draped the the microphone in and recorded using um, a copy of Pro Tools that I had on my laptop, so that we could get the line. And so when we did the when I'm editing the 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 the, the scene together. You can 100% tell that I recorded that line. She asked the line, are you going to Logan's pool party or something? 100% tell that we're, we're outside, now we're inside, now we're back outside. But it was the only way to capture the line. So you got to do what you got to do. On a... This is pre the, pre the uh, Firebird studio days up in Raleigh. Oh, yeah. And they had a halfway decent setup. But I'll never forget doing ADR up there when I lost my voice completely. Was this and they made me do ADR anyway <laughs> for for episode two. So I'm like, I have this scene where I'm I, I had shot it like two days prior, and I was it was a fight scene. I was screaming at the top of my lungs in the fight scene. I had no voice when I got there, and they were like, "Nah, do the ADR anyway. It'll be fine. Nobody will notice." Oh, <laughs> uh, I cringe to this day. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure you and I actually could probably just do a podcast on, on our, our experiences there. Um, I did tease. I will admit, I did tease. Was it last week, Andrew, that I teased that you were coming on, that Will was coming on, and I, yeah. I mentioned an embarrassing moment with you. Um. Uh. Oh, he 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 stopped sh- showing video. Maybe he doesn't want me to tell this video. Uh, or this story. Uh, basically, there was a scene where we're we're shooting at a pool. And the camera was on the other side of the pool and there was no place to put the boom operator, which because of the shot. So I had to put lavaliers on the guys. Well, the girls, it's easy. They're wearing bikini tops. So I can just put the, the mic pack on their backs and then run the line through their, their bathing suit. But the guys are shirtless. And so I look at Will and Brent and I said, all right, guys, I got two options. I can either put the microphone in your hair or I can put it in your shorts because they were laying down like on those beach chairs. So they're literally talking towards their feet. So it kind of worked out. And so the guys were like, well, do what you got to do. So I put the pack on their back and I'm taping the microphone to the, you know, that little spot right there where your shorts meet. And of course I'm on my knees in front of Will as the director walks in and goes, what the hell is going on? And (laughs) so anyway, that's my story. You still with us, Will, or did you, did you, uh, well, we're going to continue on like he's still here. He's still in the call, but he's muted and his video is off. It's fine. We'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. We'll ADR him back in later. (laughs) No problem. Uh, the last couple of things I had was, uh, I did like the fact that Dr. Jekyll had time to, uh, after saving the boat to change and dry off before coming back onto the bridge. Yeah, that hit a, again, suspend disbelief there for a minute. That's fine. Hey, you're back. Welcome back. I don't know what happened. No, okay. Did you hear anything I said? If not, that's fine. I'm not going to repeat it. About, I could hear you. Oh, good. But I kept clicking 
whatever. Doesn't it doesn't matter. matter. Um, so what was that? What the, the last thing you said was another suspend disbelief moment. Oh, just the fact that when, um, I about called him the Hulk when, um, uh, Mr. Hyde goes down into the water to save the boat. And then it's like the next shot is Sean Connery is fixing furniture for some reason. And then we see Ian Fleming, not Ian Fleming. Um, he's, he wrote bond. Um, Fletcher, uh, Jason Fleming, Jason Fleming. He's, he's walking up and he's in a new suit and he's dry. Like, he mm-hmm. took, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, that's fine. Talking about his character. I forgot to mention, I did appreciate the, the way that they played the Jekyll and Hyde characters you know, kind of off of each other. It was almost a Schmeagel Gollum type, Yeah. you know, which I thought, of course, Lord of the Rings did it better, but no, I appreciated it. Though. Yeah. I wonder if, yeah. I wonder if Hyde was too nice. I thought that too. Uh, the only really thing. Yeah. I don't know enough about the character, the literary character. So I don't know if like as Hyde is, does he have control? You know, I mean, what makes the Hulk story interesting is that it, it he has to gain control. Dr. Banner has to gain control, and we he eventually does it, you know, in time in Avengers to come and suit up and save the day. But, you know, he, you're not wrong. He does seem like he's kind of in control at all times. I mean, he even seems like when they capture him and he's knocking people left and right, Sean Connery's able to kind of bait him into going back to normal. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, Hulk versus the Abomination. I thought that was um, kind of a funny thing. Uh, poor Alan got stabbed in the back twice. Mm-hmm. And then my last thing I want to say before we get to some uh, the trivia in the clips um, was that I just want your opinion. So you mentioned it, Will, is that uh, Shane West's character, he he finally gets to use the skill that Sean Connery's character teaches him, but I mean, it comes down to that the hero shoots the bad guy in the back at distance. I mean, are mm-hmm. we are we okay with that? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, it's 2020. I'm okay with anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say that doesn't bother me. I just it's interesting because because honestly, it didn't bother me either. But if well, you, and I'll tell you the dichotomy of that idea. It's that really the hero is uh, Sean Connery, and he's the one who gets to have the face-to-face with M. So because that's happened, it's okay for him to get shot in the back. Yeah. Yeah, you're preventing an escape. I mean, I under I understand the reason for it, but you know, if you if you take Shane West, you take Tom Sawyer out of there. And we changed the movie, and now it's Batman. And in order for Batman to stop the Joker, he has to shoot him in the back at distance. People are going to get pissed, you know what I'm saying, because of the character. Um, so that's why I wonder if, like, do we care? I mean, I don't particularly care either way. I thought it was kind of a neat way that they, you know, CGI the bullet going to hit him. So anyway, I just it's still. It's I thought still, it was neat that the box just fell out of his hand and dripped into this convenient ice. <laughs> just just this giant land of ice just has this one convenient puddle of deep water. Speaking of this giant land of ice, massive ice, that is the stupidest place to build your factory for giant submarines. 
where are you going to deploy those? You're in the <laughs> mountains somewhere of China somewhere. I, I, it didn't occur to me until this time. He's like, oh, they're building, they're building Nautili. I thought, where, how are you going to get them to the ocean? Those things are the size of the Empire State Building. It's... After they had shown the original Nautili, like struggling to get through a Titanic-sized iceberg. It's... Oh, and by the way, they didn't hear or see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did not hear or see that from less than a mile away, I promise. The nuclear explosion just happened over there. That's oh, fine. I mean, that factory had so much fire coming out of the top. I'm surprised there was any snow around it at all. Um, true. I mean, that's that thing true. was that that thing screamed bad guy layer. It just screamed it. It was like a it Michael, did. Michael Bay was a consultant. On <laughs> it just, <laughs> yeah. just just exploded. I like for no it. I like the visual though. Yeah. All right, I gotta. I've been delaying this too long. We're gonna play some clips and then we're gonna burn through some trivia. So here we go. Um, uh, God save the queen. Where is your sense of patriotism? God save the queen. God save the queen. God bless her. God bless her. That's about as patriotic as it gets around here. You're not wrong. Uh, I don't know what this one is. It just says waiting. I'm waiting to be impressed. Oh, so I captured that because I remember that line specifically from the trailer. I remember the trailer of this movie. And I remember two moments. That line, and then when he's fighting, we have the second fight scene at Dorian's house, and he punches the guy who's on his knees in front of him. Those are the only two moments I remember. I don't know why I remember that, but I remember him saying that. I'm waiting to be impressed. So, there you go. Uh, I captured this because I like the way he says portrait. Although the picture is my portrait, I doubt you recognize the face upon it. Portrait. Portrait. Okay. This is, this is why I hated Dorian Gray. Because of this right here. To that end, I set my wolf among you, sheep. Growl. Ugh. I hated that so much. It's so yeah. I you can tell he's a Trump supporter. <laughs> <laughs> Girl. Okay, so here's the other thing that, that bothered me about it. Uh, well, I'll get there in a second. Okay, uh, I don't... Oh, I captured this because, you know, I had to. Pump out the gun! Seal it off! But there are men in there, Captain! On the greater good, we must seal it! The greater good. So... I was also a little confused by the nationality of his crew because that guy talking sounds like me. So I, I was a little confused because it felt like a lot of his crew was sub-Indian continent area and then this guy is... Pump out the gun! I mean, I don't know. Anyway. Is this Nemo? That guy's... Yeah, Nemo. Well, look. That ship goes anywhere. He's just... Well, he is a pirate. He says he's a pirate, so I'm sure he probably just picks up crew wherever he needs to. So, I mean... Right. You know, when I first saw this movie, I I think Monk was popular, and I really thought that was Tony Shalhoub. Ooh. I could see Tony Shalhoub in that. That would be yeah. kind of cool. Especially. I mean, they, they look very similar. I could, I would, I'd like to see Tony Shalhoub doing uh, Kung Fu. Uh, this is <laughs> probably cool. my least favorite line. He's a... He's a uh, sorry. He's a um, Bollywood guy, right? Yeah. Zahn something or other? Uh, well, I don't... Yeah. Nasirudin. Is that how you pronounce that? I don't know. 
Sure. Yeah, it's good. Oh, we've seen. I think yeah, in... I think you landed that. Yeah, I think you did too. He, we, I think we've seen him in stuff before for the podcast. Maybe not. I can't. I don't know. I'm not going to go through it. Um, this is probably uh, other than the growl. This is probably the reason why. Uh, second reason why I hated uh, Dorian Gray. I hoped I'd get to nail you one more time. Didn't think it'd be literally. I thought that was the dumbest line in the movie, and I'll tell you why. You just put metal in a vampire's stomach. Yeah. Unless it was unless it was steel, which, if I'm not mistaken, steel has to be in bullet form and go through the heart. Yeah. You have to stake them. Surely you can't be dumb enough to think she's dead. Well, I guess he is. Maybe they don't know about the lore of it because she says you missed my heart. Or so she gets to say the line and then she picks up the, the, the portrait. But this is the other thing that annoyed me. This is a noise that he made when he was, whenever he would get ready to speak, this is the noise he would make. You hear it? That stuff drives me crazy. It's like a little clicking of the, of the tongue. Yeah, just, it's, it, I don't know. That annoys me. <laughs> uh... Anyway, it's fine. I'm 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 petty. I know. Uh, okay. And now for some more bad news. Ready? All right. So I'm gonna read through this as best as I can. Uh, Peter Wilson, who played uh, the vampire lady, she uh, she has to do a Sean Connery impression. She didn't want to do the thing, and she was super nervous about doing it. But when she asked Sean Connery if she could do it, he said, "Go for it." And so when he she does the line, she asked him how it was and he said you were great and she was taken aback and asked if he really meant it and he said yeah it was terrible it's the worst impersonation i've ever heard and it's perfect so uh sean connery was offered roles in the matrix and lord of the rings but said he didn't understand the scripts when he was offered this movie another screenplay he didn't quite get he took it you know i think he would have certainly missed the mark on the Matrix, but the Lord of the Rings, he probably could have could have, could have done well with that. I could have seen him as a as a king or a somebody. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, a planned sequel was canceled due to negative critical rep, uh, reception and poor box office uh, receipts. Recepts. Uh, it would have uh, been an, an adaptation of the second series in the comic book, where the League battled the Martian tripods from H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. A clue to the sequel's plot can be gleaned from a poster in the background which says volcanic eruptions on Mars. And I remember seeing that poster in the movie. I remember seeing that thinking, oh, that's interesting. Uh, my favorite bust-up. So I, I captured part of a... There was a really long bit, but basically one of, the, um, one of the actors, I don't remember which one it was, was doing an interview many years later for like a behind-the-scenes on this movie. And they were asked... I think it was Nina, the actress. And she was asked, what was, what was it like between Sean Connery and the director? And she said they were at each other all the time. It's like watching your parents fight. It was like constantly, and it was super uncomfortable, and it made you know, filming really kind of unbearable. And she said, my favorite dust-up was in Venice. The League had to walk from Captain Nemo's boat down the street, Magnificent Seven style. At the end of the take, Sean shouted to Norrington, what, you want us to do that again? He replied, the director replied, for $18 million, I don't think it's too much to ask for you to walk down the street, to which Sean Connery's reply was unprintable. 
Hmm. Um, and the second invisible man who Sawyer fights is actually Sanderson Reed, the man who recruits Quartermain. I didn't know that. I never knew Oh, that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. So I think that's... I don't know why we... Sh- like, I don't know how we would have known that, but um, there you go. All right. Excuse me while I whip this out. Top three time. We are, of course, going to do our favorite Sean Connery movies because what else would we do? And uh, Andrew, I'll let you uh, go first. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to start with a little film called Hunt for Red October. Yeah. Probably the first movie other than the Indiana Jones franchise that I saw him in that I was like, this guy's got it. And this was before i would seen any Bond films with him either. Uh, but that brings me to number two. And that is um, pretty much all the Bond films that he did. I thought he was the best Bond. Um, but uh, I don't know if I could pick a favorite one uh, of his. Um, and then number one is going to be Junior. I, I can't do a good uh, impression of him. But Indiana a- Jones uh, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Just just do your Scottish accent and then just add shh after everything. <laughs> It's pretty much how you do it. I do. I do think that uh, he's such a versatile actor. <laughs> he's got all these different accents that he does. Yeah, like in Highlander, he's, where he plays a Spaniard, or when he plays a Russian, <laughs> and it was just it's yeah. all the same accent. It's all the same. Yeah. Okay, Will, what you got? Uh, I'm going to go with my favorite action film of all time, The Rock. Yeah. Um, is probably my number one. Um, my number two is, you know, it was, it was a little movie, but it was, it came about at a proper time for me. I don't know if you guys know it, but, uh, it was a kind of a teen emotional drama where he played a, um, he played this poor kid's mentor called Finding Forrester. Oh, Finding Forrester is oh, yeah. great. Yeah. I love that movie. Very Finding good. Forrester. And then I, number three, I'm going to go Bond. I, I guess I'll go uh, Goldfinger, I guess. I, that's really the one I know the best. But what would... Um, yeah, I almost rewatched before this podcast... Um, no data is, is it no data die? Uh, could could be. Um, no. The other one of his other Bond movies. I'm looking. Never say never again. Never say never again. Never say never yeah. again. Wow, like I was close without being close at all. Um, <laughs> I know what you uh, mean. Yeah, but that's yeah, that's. I grew up watching those with my dad. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's really no way to choose. I've seen them all. Um, but. Yeah, and it, and it was funny to come on this podcast because for this particular topic, because as much as I've always loved Sean Connery, my my family didn't really watch him that much. And basically what Sean Connery will always and forever be for me is the greatest contestant on SNL of all time, <laughs> or on Jeopardy of all time. Yeah. Yes. 
anal bum cover. <laughs> I'm sorry, do you mean covers. an album cover? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, but yeah, The Rock is definitely number one for me. Uh, then this is for you, sir. You sure you're ready for this? I'll do my best. Your best? Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and f*** the prom queen. A few years back, Jack was chasing... There you go. <laughs> there you go. We obviously did the rock for the show, and so therefore I have that. Um, that's the same, that's the same uh, speech that I gave in my class today, actually. <laughs> Oh man, that's amazing. So basically we're all kind of in the same world. So I basically have in my top three, I have the same. So I'm just going to add some other movies that I love. Um, the rock. I love, I mean, the rock is my favorite Michael Bay film. Uh, I just, yeah. I just love that movie. I love the, the third Indiana Jones. I know a lot of people hate the fact that we have to cram in the first five minutes, all of the whys, why all the things that make Indiana Jones him. I don't care. I just I love that movie so much. It's my favorite of the Indiana Jones ones. And I love Hunter in October. It's my favorite submarine warfare, spy craft. Um, uh, Sam Elliott, not Sam Elliott. Um, uh, uh, gosh, I can't think of his name. The Alec that, Baldwin? No, the guy that played Stick on Daredevil. The, the, the captain. Oh, yeah, yeah. The captain of Dallas. I mean, when all he yeah. says is, Mr. Thompson called the chief you know, to the bridge with a sidearm, and he just goes... He just snaps his fingers. I love that whole movie. So I'm going to add these two in as other movies that I love. So we watched The Untouchables for the podcast. And mm-hmm. it's, it was really great. And he's really, really good in it, which is, of course, the movie that he won his Oscar for. Mm-hmm. Yep. And another one I'm going to add in here, and this is actually this is for my mom, who doesn't listen to this show. But I watched this movie with her probably five or 17 times growing up it was just a movie that in the summer she would just put the vhs in while we're doing saturday chores and that was first night i was getting ready to guess that it was first night because my mom watched it about a billion times too yeah my mom had a thing for richard gear she did and so i have seen that movie legit i have probably seen that movie from front to back at least seven times i mean me too yeah so and he's good in that. He's a good King Arthur. He is. He's great King Arthur. You feel so bad for him when the things go down. It just, it, and you know it's going to happen. But yeah. Anyway, there you go. Wait, what's supposed to happen? Uh, well, Daniel Radcliffe, I'll tell you. This is the part where we give this movie a score from zero to ten. Will this? If this will, I, I didn't warn you ahead of time. We do decimal points for the score because after three hundred and ten movies, if we don't do decimal points, we're going to have a whole lot of. 7.5s or 7, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to get a lot of 7s and 6s and stuff. So feel free to uh, to, to decimal point the hell out of your, your score. So, Andrew, I'll let you You mean go. not just, like, the half decimal. Like, if I want to throw a 2 or a 6 in there, I can just to shake it up. Well, just to give you an idea, Sam, who, of course, is the asshole of our team, he, he likes to do, um, when we did Sucker Punch, I use the word asshole in, in true love, when we did Sucker Punch, he gave me a score of 3.2467. Oh, okay. But he just does that to annoy me. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Andrew, go ahead. IMDb has this at a 5.8, uh, and I don't, I don't think they're far off the mark. I, I kind of give this movie a meh, uh, and that's, to me, about the five range. 
I'm going to bump it up a couple of a uh, couple of decimal points just because of the cool car. So uh, five point two. Okay. Five point two. Will, what you got? That's funny that you mentioned IMDb because I actually didn't look at it to see what their score was. Um, but I'm pretty much around that range too. I had it down as a five point five. All right. But given that the first time I watched it, I had it down as a 0.5 get me to high school party. Yeah. 5.5, we've got a four grade, four point upgrade, 17 years later. Nice. No, that's, uh, I mean, you know, and that, that happens. I mean, gosh, there's been several times where we've, and there, and there have been times where like we've watched the movie for the show and one of us was like in a bad mood when we watched it. You know, like like you said last night, you were you weren't feeling well. So I was thinking, I wonder if that's going to factor in to like his movie experiences, like that you weren't feeling well. You're like on the couch, you know, sick and watching this movie. I, I honestly expect you to come in here and just to hate, 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 hate. You know, and we've had that. And sometimes like we have to do this podcast to be like, eh, but it wasn't that bad. And so we've we've turned the score around sometimes. But um, uh, there's also something very like there's also something that makes you feel a certain way about a movie if you're not feeling well like one of my favorite things to do when i was a kid when i was sick at school was or not at school was sit at home and watch movies is what makes you feel better yeah and you watch a movie that you've seen six times because you know it's going to make you feel better i mean absolutely that this meme that's been floating around facebook for a year that says people that watch tv shows over and over again series over and over again is because it's they just need some comfort food and i am not ashamed to admit it that i am on my fourth viewing of the west wing right now because i i was getting so such anxiety leading up to the election as we record this episode on november 6th we still don't know who the president elect is i i was getting such anxiety that i was like you know what i need i need some normalcy um away from the normalcy of my normal life stuff you know like i just need a break and plus, I've seen that show now. This is again going my fourth time, maybe fifth. I can't remember that. I I almost treat it like a podcast because yeah. because it's yeah, such, you're like I just need I just need Miss President Bartlett in my life. I just, just even if in the background. Yeah, that's what it is. It's like it's my, my white noise. Yeah, I'm I'm doing the dishes. I don't even I'm not even watching it. It's just in my headphones because there's so much dialogue. I know that CJ is talking to to, to Toby Ziegler. It's fine. I'm going to give this movie a straight six for there were six wheels on that car. Four, All right. Six. There you go. So that's that's the show. That's our podcast. That's how we end it. Uh, usually I forget to say some other things, but, Will, I'm going to let you have an opportunity to say whatever the hell it is you want to say. If you want people to, you want their eyes to go towards anything that you're doing, this is your opportunity. Uh, yeah, I'm actually in uh, pre-production right now on a show that I'm uh, co-writing with a director out of New York. Uh, really uh, accomplished guy. His name's Charles Nordine. Um, he's from Myrtle Beach, and I was introduced to him by my business partner, Brent Lovell, who worked on uh, Palmetto Point with uh, Sean and I. Um, and it's a uh, cop drama, uh, buddy cop drama, if you will, um, kind of about uh, human trafficking. I'm not going to say the name. Um, but we're shooting in Myrtle Beach, uh, should be by the end of the year, if not the end of the year, because of everything that's going on, um, the beginning of next year, just depending on the pandemic, pandemic and whatnot. But, um, 
yeah, it's a, a little bit out of off the beaten path for me. Um, but we're looking forward to getting to work and, um, we've got some fairly exciting names attached, um, people I'm excited about. So yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. Um, more recently I've been working in the commercial world, um, at a, it uh, produced a commercial for the uh, for Red Lobster for the Super Bowl um, two years ago. Um, we did the Obama commencement speech last year, um, and I'm working on a documentary um, for the Olympics, uh, which got pushed because the Olympics got pushed. So um, all of those things are probably in violation of NDA. So I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no one listens to this podcast. It's fine. <laughs> no, no one, no one that will that will rat you out or anything. I mean, there's a reason why I can use licensed music on this show because no lawyers <laughs> listening to it. Here we go. Yeah, you know, um, that's. But cool. I do appreciate you guys having me. I really, uh, I enjoyed this. I can't wait to see what's next. Yeah, hell yeah, man! This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you coming on and. Uh, I mean, and it's funny. This literally came about. You were putting up your horror list on Facebook, your movies, uh, your horror list movies, and a mutual friend of ours was giving you shit about your uh, your list, and uh, and I was like, hey, I you know I have a podcast. You guys should come on and we can talk about your movie list. And so Will was like, hell yeah, let's do it. So again, I really appreciate you coming on. This was a lot of fun, and um, I well, do I do almost anytime feel bad. I anytime I'm gonna post about a movie, Bo is gonna say something just for fun. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean that's his. That's kind of like his his criteria. Um, yeah, has to do that. And Ruffle so, feathers. That's yeah, all he needs to do. Yeah, that's what he does. Well, that's what he's he's good at that kind of thing. Uh, so that's it. Next week we're gonna do. I don't know what we're gonna do, Andrew. What do you want to do? Um, we push the natural. Uh, do we want to do the natural or do we want to do? Um, Alita Battle Angel was the next next on the list. Yeah, that one is on what HBO Max. HBO Max. So yeah, see, I don't have that. So. so let's just do the natural. We'll we'll do that some home fun cooking, the natural, and Sam will be back for that episode. Unless you want to review a couple episodes of Mandalorian, and then I'm all in. Oh, that would be so fun. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. That's actually my. That might be a good idea. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it later. So next week something will happen. In the meantime. Um, <laughs> Uh, in the meantime, go check out our website, which is cheapseat.libsyn.com, where you can find all 319 other episodes of our show. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash cheapseatreviews, at cheapseatcast is Twitter. You can leave us a review, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, uh, basically everywhere except Spotify, because we do violate music violations. I don't want to get... Uh, yelled at by Spotify, so we're not there. We're on iHeartMedia, or iHeartRadio, I mean. We're on iHeartRadio, but not Spotify. And your emails can be sent to cheapseatreviews at gmail.com. If there's anything you guys want us to do for December specifically, let us know. Again, the only thing that I know that we're going to do in December will be the second Santa Claus movie. What's it called? The Santa, the Santa Claus Chronicles? Something like that. Something like that, yeah. The one with Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell Claus. Kurt yeah. Russell Claus 2. And Goldie Hawn. <laughs> the first one was cute, so we're going to do the second one. We had a good time with the first one, so we're going to do the second one. And uh, again, if you guys like... Are you sure that's not Overboard 8? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Overboard 8. Uh, over, uh, 
eight tiny reindeer. I don't know. I can't think. <laughs> uh, anyway, and Instagram. I actually posted something on Instagram the other day, believe it or not. But don't don't go to Instagram if you're actually looking to follow us anywhere. Uh, but that's going to do it. So, again, Will, thanks so much. It was a lot of fun. And on behalf Absolutely. of Andrew and Will, this is Sean saying thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week for something. <laughs>